Nice to see people happy. I said it's nice to see people happy. Happy in the house. This is, I don't know what you thought you were coming up for, but this is happy hour. At Heart of the Bay. You're about to get a happy meal. You got some happy friends. My title today is God Wants You Happy, Healthy, and <clears throat> Holy. See, I had to give you the first two so that you'll listen to me. But the moment you mention, mention holy in a, in a church service, people go, Ugh, no, 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 friends. I need your help today. I need you to listen. I need you to be on it. I need you to listen. Let God speak to you. Because God wants you happy, healthy, and holy. Father, thank you for utterance today. I thank you for your precious people. Wow. Help me to do what only you can do. Help us to hear the way you want us to hear. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's look at Luke chapter 5 verse 7 through 10 in the message version. How many appreciated Ricky Edwards last week? It's amazing. You know, Pastor Sally said, I don't know if you caught that, but I, I finally twisted her arm to come up here and say something. <laughs> and she said, there is a spirit of increase in the body of Christ, but specifically in this place. Spirit of increase. Yeah. And that's true. That bears witness with me. God's trying to help you. Let's read this in the message version, shall we? Simon said, Master, we have been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done, a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. It's very interesting. Oftentimes when we're faced with something so amazing like that, we feel like we want to run away or get away from it. But notice what he states, why he wants him to leave. I am or I'm a sinner and can't handle this holiness. I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. Leave me with my mess. And when they pulled in that catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Friends, we are encompassed about with the word holy everywhere we turn in church life. We know that he is the holy one of Israel. We know that. We know that Jesus is his holy son. Stretch forth your hand to heal by the hand of thy holy child, Jesus. We know that God's Spirit is holy. We know the temple is holy. We know that we have a holy calling. That God spoke throughout the ages through His holy prophets. We read out of the Holy Bible. Are you listening to me? 
We are called to be priests and kings unto God, 1 King 2.9. What does it say? But you are a royal priesthood. A what? A holy nation. That's you. That's me. A holy nation. That you would show forth the praises of God. Holy. In marriage, the marriage bed is holy. Everywhere you turn, you got holy going on. Holy this and holy that. I submit to you, even the new Jerusalem is holy. I think we should figure out what this means by holy. Particularly when you see a businessman's response to the holiness of God. You think you're working really hard right now? You're working so hard to make money, to pay bills. They, like Ricky so eloquently stated last week, they toiled all night and got what? You could work your whole life and end up having nothing. But when, just a thought, when you encounter the holiness of God, something happens. There's something to this. We should look into this. How many of you work really hard? Well, some people, you're afraid to admit it. You know you work hard. You know what? God wants His people to be diligently working in His field and in His business. There is the, the kingdom of heaven is holy. But He also wants you to operate with a spirit of holiness so you don't waste your time. He would rather, listen, He would rather you operate in holiness and fill up your accounts so you could do what you really are supposed to do. I'm just saying. That's why He said you cannot serve God and mammon. Serve God. Dedicate yourself to Him. We'll get into some of this. But I am hard-pressed to really be convinced that most of us Christians know what holy even means. But to put our foot in the water regarding holy, I want to read to you a second scripture from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 16. At least it gives us a starting place. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Can I just insert holiness there? Notice this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. You need this holiness. You've got to have it. Without which no one will see the Lord or see the Lord working in their life. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or somebody say profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. We are going to settle up on the word profane. Because I think it really helps us to understand more of what holy means. We need to discern the difference between the sacred and the profane. Esau was a profane person. Let me read that 
Hebrews 12:16 in the amplified version. You may see it up there from our friends in high places. See to it that no one become guilty of sexual vice or become profane, godless and sacrilegious. Person as Esau did who sold his own birthright for a single meal. What does it mean to be profane? What does that mean? To treat something sacred irreverently. To treat something sacred, unworthily, vulgar. Debase it. So a sacrilegious person, that's what profane means. Definition of sacrilegious, acting or speaking very disrespectfully. Didn't I tell you that in the 60s, there was a whole seed sown into American culture about disrespect. Respect. Disrespect. Question every and all authority. Your own mother doesn't count anymore. Your own father doesn't count. The government doesn't count. The mayor doesn't count. The teacher doesn't count. The pastor doesn't count. Nobody counts. I'm my own authority. I'll do what's right in my own eyes. Prove to me that you have even a right to even speak into my life. Everything is relative to me. Me, me, me. Me, 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 me. <laughs> that was sown in the 60s. And now it's come full circle, as I mentioned during the offering. You've got generations, gosh, how many generations later of kids that have no idea what authority means. Either how to operate in it or how to be under it. In the kingdom of God. We are to be under authority and we are to operate with authority. We are kings and priests unto God. A king operates in the realm of authority. We do the business of authority. We decree things according to what the head of the church has declared for us. Oh, Pastor Tom, I'm just 16. You're a king, you're a priest. Oh, please, Pastor Tom, I'm 87. You are a king and a priest. I'm just five years old. You're still a king and a priest. Don't judge carnally. So listen to this. We, we need to then step, step into another word. Because if sacrilege means acting or speaking disrespectfully toward what is sacred then we have to figure out so what's sacred and may I tell you something that in our generation we have desecrated anything of normalcy of what's sacred it seems like nothing is sacred and I said this the first word it's like it used to be if there was a little child present and somebody was mouthing off with vulgarity we'd say hey wait a minute wait stop just stop there's a child here. Just, okay? Just hold it. Take, it. take it outside. There's children here. What are we saying? There's innocence here. There's purity here. Let's have some respect. Used to be that you, if you saw an elderly person getting on a bus and all the chairs were filled, it used to be that you would stand up and honor them. Come on! Honor your elders. But today you can go on the bus and people will stick in their chair and they refuse and some elderly person with hardly being able to hang on and they could care less. 
Because we live in the ungeneration, the selfish generation, unholy, unthankful, ungodly. But see, that's not you and that's not me. We're developing a culture of honor. Hallelujah. Are you with me so far? So listen to what we talk about sacred. Sacred, something is sacred when God calls it sacred. And it's not to be violated, criticized, or tampered with. It's made holy or worthy of respect by God Himself. Case in point, God instituted marriage. It wasn't man's idea. God instituted it. It's sacred. God instituted the creation. Your nationality is sacred. God gave it to you. You can't change that. It's beautiful. God created you wonderful. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Whether you're Puerto Rico, or whether you're Kenya, or whether Cubano, or if you came from Russia, or if you came from the Ukraine, or if you came from the Philippines, or if you came from Spain, or if you came from South America, Colombia. Come on, friends, help me out a little bit. If you came from Mexico, if you came from Scandinavia, God made you. That's sacred. You can't change that. Don't tamper with it. Hallelujah. I wish I had time, but I'm not going to delve too much in that. But some, some of the synonyms for sacred, there's, there's a full circle here. Some of the sacred synonyms for sacred is hallowed. Like we sing, hallowed be your name this morning. See, when they taught Jesus, when Jesus was asked, uh, please teach us how to pray. The first thing he said is, our Father, establishing the direct connect to heaven. But the very next thing was, hallowed be your name. Immediate reverence. Reverence. Isn't that interesting? Hallowed be your name. I think we've touched enough about that. Now, I want to I make a distinction about what is secular and what is profane. Because profane and secular are not the same thing. Listen to me. There, there's a scripture in, 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 in Ephesians that says that you were at that time, you were without God, without the covenants, you were outside. You had no knowledge of God. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Those people, they, were, they, they fall in the category of secular. Because they didn't have any covenant. They didn't have anything from, of God. But when you enter into profanity, we're not talking about somebody saying a bad word. <laughs> when you talk about profanity or someone that is profane, that means that you entered into and were aware of the covenant and were given something valuable. Come on, help me. You were given something and then you dissed it. Like the kids say. You dismissed it. You disrespected it. You dishonored it. You threw it away like it didn't even matter. You know, kids today are throwing away their parents like parents don't matter. They're throwing away their grandparents like, we're done with you. We're moving on. I have news for you. The Bible is very clear. Honor your father and your mother. And it's the first commandment with a promise attached to it. 
Just a thought. But there are kids divorcing their parents right and left. Dear Lord. They have no idea what I should, I should move on. But the false... In order for you to be profane, you have to have something of value and then disregard it or disrespect it. Throw it away. You follow me? See, a person that is secular, they don't have anything to throw away. They, they just have no promise. But the moment you have something, you know better. Well, Pastor Tom, what do I have? You've got a covenant. You've got the name. You've got the blood of Jesus. You've got the word. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Come on. You've got the principles of the kingdom. You've got the king of the kingdom. These are things not to be ignored, not to be neglected or disrespected. All right. So what he's suggesting is, this is Ravi Zacharias, a great apologist of our day. There's a false dichotomy. The the difference is not what's between the sacred and secular, but between the sacred and the profane. So what what you have here is something that's holy and extremely valuable. Someone that grasps it. Watch me now. Listen to me. You're, You're treasuring it and you are caring for it and you're paying attention and dedicating time to it versus the person that has the same deposit, but they're ignoring it. Eh, I don't care. What's it to me? That's how Esau treated the birthright. So let's learn about despising. Genesis 25, verse 30 through 34. Of course, he said, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Genesis 25, 30 through 34 in the NIV. I'm famished. That's why he also was called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is that birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank. Then he got up, and so Esau despised his birthright. Now, my wife was so wonderful to point out to me what it says in the voice in that particular translation. He got up as if nothing had happened. People today are throwing away massive opportunities. Incredible value. They're just throwing it away and they're wiping their mouth. I took care of what I wanted today. And they're acting as if nothing happened. Now let me, let me just clarify something. Jacob did not steal that from him. He, later Esau went to his dad and complained and said, he took it from me. No, he didn't. You gave it up. You sold it to him. He didn't steal it from nobody. You chose. He lived pragmatically. He lived in a way that would cause uh, just what's in front of my face. That's all I care about. Just what's in front of my face. No forethought about the value. Well, what exactly did he give up? Let's talk about the birthright. I got to tell you, stay with me just a little bit for a few minutes because I got to educate you so that you won't be a profane person like Esau. What was the birthright? Consisted of special privileges that belonged to the firstborn male child in a family. 
Prominent among these privileges was a double portion of the estate as an inheritance. If a man had two sons, his estate would be divided into three portions, and the older son would receive two. If there were three sons, the estate would be divided into four portions. The oldest son would receive two. The oldest son also normally received the father's major blessing. Now there seemed to be a twofold implication when you receive the birthright and the blessing because they're, they're tied together, but they're a little bit different. One of them alluded to provision, like the money. Give me the money, honey. The other one alluded to being given the headship or the patriarchship or speakership of the family. When dad goes, okay, now I'm responsible. An anointing comes on you and you're the leader so that your brethren listen to you and wisdom flows through you. How many of you feel that's valuable? Yeah. It's pretty lame to try to have the leadership of your family and you're broke. That's why it kind of went together. You have to have the money, the control of the stuff and speak into the family. Now, one writer made this point to show just how disrespectful this Esau really was. Please understand that Esau's family is rich. Are you listening to me? Abraham was the richest man alive, and then he left it all to Esau. I, I'm sorry, left it all to Isaac. Isaac, can I, can I say filthy rich in church? I mean, if I wanted to bring it to modern day, he was so wealthy, he owned all these things. Do you really think there was only one kitchen in the camp? A guy that has tens of thousands of camels, tens of thousands of donkeys, tens of thousands of sheep. Don't you think that he has, the, and not to mention the servants and the cooks, he probably had gobs of cooks that all, their whole job was to cook. They could do this. Are you listening to me? So bring it to our day. So your daddy's rich, and he owns Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out Burger, Angus. He owns Panera Bread. Your daddy owns, just name any restaurant you want. Oh, yeah, I own that one. Yep, I, he owns that one. And they're all on campus. All those restaurants. They're all on campus. Oh, you don't like that? You want Jack in the Box? Oh, daddy owns that one too. Just... <laughs> He could have gone anywhere to get whatever sushi or whatever he wanted. But why in the world would someone so wealthy with so much supply all around him? Come on, help me. Why would he insist on going to his brother and trading off something so valuable? Help me. Understand that. We're not talking about a barely get along. This is the last food on the planet. All he had to do is walk across the street. And Nana has something on the stove. Very disrespectful. Very disrespectful. I wish I had time. Let's see if I can get into some of this. These commentaries are just absolutely amazing. So, so you all understand he wrongfully accused his brother. No, no. He made the choice. And I have in my notes here, this is from the forerunner commentary. Esau stood to inherit a literal fortune. 
Notice what it says. Even if we dis disregard earlier promises given to Abraham and Isaac of descendants of numerous as the sand and the seashore, the promised land of Canaan and royal dynasties and the gates of their enemies, Esau stood to inherit a literal fortune. And as we have learned over the years, the birthright contained twofold promise, physical promises and spiritual promises. Wow. But he didn't treasure it. He didn't think it worth anything. It wasn't worth looking at and studying. He was only interested in hunting. Now, listen, I know I have some hunters in the house. Don't crucify Pastor Tom. But a part of the commentary also said, one of these, he, they said like, he loved to hunt. And it's very interesting that he rose and fell based on what he loved to do. He put the hunting in front of God. God is not against you playing softball or you fishing or you hunting or you playing video games. He's not against that. But when that takes the place of the Holy One of Israel and the covenant that He has with you, we got, no, no, you got a problem. I want you to notice that when He went out hunting, He got nothing. Is that right? He came back in and He was famished doing what he loved to do, right? He traded off his insanely wealthy inheritance, right? After doing what he loved to do. In other words, he didn't know when to stop. Why did he get in that position of being so exhausted and so famished that I'm about to die? No self-control, living for the minute. Friends, in this church and in the body of Christ, we are to operate with a spirit of self-control. Self-control. Don't let yourself get to the place where you're so down and so depleted that you make stupid decisions. And by the way, don't make life decisions when you're exhausted. One of the most, I love what Pastor says. He says, one of the most spiritual things you could do, one of the most intelligent things you could do before making a very important decision is go take a nap. Sleep. And then eat something. And then wait on the Lord. And don't let the devil pressure you. Right now. I got to know now. I got to know. No, you don't. You'll be sorry. You jump out and pull the trigger on something. You'll be sorry. Don't make life decisions impulsively. That's it. I'm leaving that church. They don't appreciate me. They, I'm leaving that church. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you tired? Well, come to think of it, I am. Well, go, get, go take a nap. Grab a burger. Go to the Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I've got to bring food in there somewhere to stay with the pastor. Wait on the Lord and get wisdom, and He'll lead you in the right way. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah. So we have a popular culture around us that actually does the same thing that Esau did. It devalues God and the things of God. You know, it seems that nothing, as I said in my Wednesday night message, nothing is off the table for making fun of. Beware of that, friends. The Bible specifically says in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man, by the, by the way, amplified by the happy, fortunate, and to be envied is a man, right? 
who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Watch out for late night TV making fun of everything. Making fun of everything. I just want to bring this little scripture to mind because a lot of you were not here Wednesday night. You know, even Michael, the archangel, and Jude talks about this. He didn't even diss Satan. He didn't. Because he knew that he has an office that he stood in. He had a legal right to be there. So what he said, he did not bring a railing accusation, or can I bring it to the vernacular? He did not bring a disrespectful, it's like two generals coming together. Imagine, imagine when two generals are coming, they're working out the terms, the agreement of the surrender. You do that with pomp, circumstance, and respect. You come to the table with your entourage, and then you open the thing. This is, these are the terms of the surrender. They don't ridicule them. They treat them with due respect, even though they're their adversary. Michael did that. He said he did not bring railing accusation against them. He didn't diss them, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. But we have people today on late night TV, early morning TV, dear Lord, it's all over the place, where they are making fun of things they have no idea. Because let me, let me encourage you about one more thing. It isn't just the people, but it, there are offices that are established in the spirit realm. Yes. And if you can't respect the person in the office, at least show God respect for the office. Even if they're acting like a fool. And pray for them. Help God help them. They still stand in that office. Which means there's still a chance that God could use them. That's why he said pray for all that are in authority. Amen. So where are we now? Dear Lord, I don't know where we are. Hallelujah. Oh yeah. Nothing is off the table. Where it comes to being sacrilegious. And we're seeing today, you see it everywhere, uh, men and women are sinking to new lows that you never thought could be. Like, are really people doing this? Like, hideous acts, and yet it's not that way in the church. I noticed that in the church, we're rising to higher heights. I said higher heights. See, the Lord is that spirit where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty, emancipation from bondage. All of us with unveiled face because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're constantly being transfigured into his very own image. Ever increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. Can, I, can, can you agree with me that that means holiness? By his Holy Spirit. So friends, here's the thought. God wants you holy. We're going to look at a few scriptures on holiness. Somebody say, thank you, Pastor Tom. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. We got just a few minutes. You got a few minutes. Let me just read a few of these. First of all, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16. If you have that, look it up. We're in the New King James. "But But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Now... Remember, there seem to be two categories. One is that you're holding the preciousness of the anointing and the calling that God has given. Whatever you do, you hold, whatever you do, you, you keep that in mind. Okay, this is holy, this is holy. You know, come here and do this. You see if that, oh, that's what, not going to agree with the anointing. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to come back here and just, I'll take a pass on that. You're not trying to be snobby. You're not trying to be antisocial. But if you're going to have this kind of holiness, 
There are some things you flat cannot do. And you cannot please all the people all the time. So whatever you do, you're protecting the anointing. You're protecting that this is holy. The word in me, the Holy Spirit in me. Those of you that are married, my marriage is holy. I got to protect this wherever I go, whatever I do. So is this, is this, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. This is dishonoring my marriage. I have to, I have to do something to take care of it. I have to guard it. So there's that aspect of holy, but there's also the aspect of purity. I think we saw that earlier today. Uh, purity, which means nothing mixed. You know, it's interesting. It's hard to find something pure these days. I mean, you can hardly get pure water, right? I mean, it's got fluoride and it's got chlorine and it's got who knows what else has it got in there? It's got a lot of stuff in the water, right? So that's why some of us, we, what we do is we filter the water. Is that right? Like, give me, can I just have some pure water? You know, this, this current environment they don't trust in any they don't they don't believe in anything pure they always have to add something to it you know what like here we're preparing these vegetables for you oh really and then you look at it partially hydrogenated gmo and something funky like really really <laughs> he said he would establish us a holy people right and that he would bless our food and our water for holy people, and he would take sickness out of the midst of us and bless us with food and water. Somehow, he, I, I'm sorry, but somehow eating, you know, some weirdo thing that has all these, if, if you can't pronounce it and it's on the label, I'm just saying be careful. Exantha farming It's almost like tongues, but it's not. It's reverse tongue. Look, eat, eat some good food, friends. Go back to what God gave. If God gave it, you know, you could eat it. Hallelujah. So that means, do I have to eat vegetables, Pastor Tom? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Do, can, can I eat meat? Yeah. Yeah, just make sure you're not, you know, dishonoring the Lord. Don't violate your conscience on that. I'm having a little fun in church. How many of you having fun so far? Hallelujah. So I just mentioned, we're not trying to be mean or anything, but, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians, it says things about, you know what, come out from among them and be separate. There's, there's people you can't run with. There's things you can't do or say, not because you're following a list of do's and don'ts, but because you realize this is so valuable that it would dissipate it and it would defile it. And you wouldn't, just like Samson. Samson had an anointing, Right. Like when they came, oh, I'll just rip these cords. I'll just rip these cords. I'll just rip these cords. But one time he couldn't do it. He did, listen, he didn't even notice. Listen to me now. He didn't even notice that the Spirit of God, the, can I say Holy Spirit of God, had left him. He didn't even notice. So he tried to do life. Oh, I've done this, uh, uh, I've done this before several times. <laughs> no problem. Learn. Learn. Protect the anointing. Amen? Protect the anointing. So let's look at some things. Some things about holy. What is holy? Oh gosh, I have experts from R.C. Sprawl of the holiness of God. And I wish I could go into a lot of this. Hmm. Let's see. The primary meaning of holy, listen carefully, is separate. Separate comes from an ancient word meant to cut or to separate. 
Perhaps even more accurate would be the, the phrase, a cut above something. When we find a garment or another piece of merchandise that is outstanding, that has superior excellence, we use the expression that it is a cut above, listen, the rest, right? This means that one who is holy is uniquely holy with no rivals and no competition. When the Bible calls God holy, it means primarily that God is transcendently separate. He's so far above and beyond. You can't compare anything to God. That's why they say, have scriptures like, Who is like thee, O God, among the, um, among the gods, O Lord? Who is like thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises? And by the way, we are to worship Him in the beauty of... Thank you. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides Thee, nor there is any rock like our God. First Samuel 2.2 2. There is no one like Thee among the gods, and so forth and so on. All these wonderful things. But understand this. You don't just... God didn't just give you holiness and the state just to sit there like a fishbowl. Yep, holiness is still there. Wake up the next day. Ooh, there it is. Ooh, holy, holy, holy. Mm, holy. When you operate in the holiness of God, it is a force that absolutely obliterates darkness, the spirits of darkness. Okay, I'll, I'll bring it there. If I have another time to minister, maybe I'll have a chance to talk about it. By the way, Purity is a part of holiness. You know the part of keeping yourself pure? It's a part of holiness, but it's not all of it. It's and contained within it. But also holiness has to do with the state of being and the ability that it provides. When we use the word to describe holy to God, we face somewhat of a dilemma. We often describe God by compiling a list of qualities or characteristics that we call attributes. We say that God is a spirit, that He knows everything, that He's loving, that He's just, merciful, gracious, and so on. But the tendency is to add to the idea of the holy to this long list of attributes, among many attributes. You follow that? Can you catch that? The writer was very clear. This is R.C. Sprout in The Holiness of God. Notice this. But when the word holy is applied to God, it does not signify a single attribute. On the contrary, God is called holy in a general sense, or can I say in a fundamental sense. The word is used as a synonym for His deity. That is, the word holy calls attention to all that God is. It reminds us that His love is holy. His justice is holy justice. His mercy is holy mercy. His knowledge is holy knowledge. His spirit is holy spirit. His people are holy people. His churches are holy churches. His words are holy. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So, Pastor Tom, do you suppose we should look into what holy means just a little bit? Just a little bit today. Let's, let, let's look at this. The word, just for comparison's sake, we're using all the King James Version. The word joy is used 165 times in the King James Version. No, the entire Bible. The entire Bible in the King James Version. The word faith is used 247 times. The word love, 310 times. 
The word pray 313 times. The word peace 429 times. But the word holy is referenced 671 times. Follow after peace and holiness without which no man shall see God. I guarantee you this. You will not see God work in your life if you don't follow after peace and holiness. Holiness. Your road will be very hard. You will toil and life will be very hard for all of us if we don't pursue holiness. You're going to toil. Boy, this sounds like violence. Sorry, Don, if you're in the house. Life will be hard for the person. You'll work all night and burn the midnight oil and try to make it happen. But it won't happen. You'll come up empty. You'll go out and sow lots of seed and bring very little in. You'll have a list of ten things to do and you'll go out to take care of those things and on the way, there'll be a flat tire. And then somebody will steal your wallet. And then you'll drop your phone, it'll break. And then it's just like, really? Have you ever, have you ever gone to do something and it's just like, you have, all I wanted to do was these three things, three stinking lousy things. And it's like, every time you started one thing, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger to you. Said so like, am I going to get anything done? <laughs> you need the blessing of God. And the blessing of God operates through His holy covenant. Going through holy people that are operating in their holy calling. Hallelujah. Now notice this. The first time the word holy appears in the Bible is in the King James Version is Exodus 3.5 when God instructs Moses to remove his shoes because the very ground he's standing on is holy. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's interesting that God never describes himself as holy until he delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. Listen, when they are camped at the foot of Mount Sinai for a month of instruction, instruction first on how they are to live as his holy people. And after he instructed them, I'm almost done. Stay with me. How many are you still with me? After a month of instruction, God says for the first time, you shall be holy, for I am the Lord, for I the Lord your God am holy. The holiness he demonstrated in Exodus, he now states in Leviticus. And I really like this, you know, it's 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 funny, this holiness is all over. Jesus uh, rather, God has just ordained Aaron and his four sons as priests, and the turbans on their heads, they bear the title, Holy to the Lord, in Exodus 28 and 36. Just think about that. And remember, holy means separated. I think I have a minute to do this. Separated for a special use, right? So let me tell you a little story, because maybe you'll relate to it. I needed... You've got a story. I needed to change the coolant in one of my cars years ago. And I didn't have enough sense to go out and buy, you know, those containers. So I, so I 
borrowed, boy, I did the sin of sins, man. I borrowed one of the steel basins from the kitchen. Anybody ever done that before besides me? So I had this huge stainless steel basin. Now ah, that'll be good. That'll carry about five gallons of coolant. And I put it underneath my car. And I got the, and I, I was feeling pretty good. I didn't really value the cooking utensil, <laughs> right? So I got the coolant, and I, and I threw the coolant like it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to put it down the drain, you know? And then I went in, and I washed it real good, washed it real good. But you know, I didn't get away with it. For one, as I continued to do that... I backed up the car. I forgot that the basin was still there and I crunched it. Yeah, yeah, I did that. I crunched it. So it's all... So that's when I believe my beloved, wonderful, committed and holy wife said, said what are you doing? She says, well, I was, you know, I was washing it like... And you get the proverbial, ew, ew. You know... There's some things that just don't feel right. I mean, how many of you would like the same dish that, I, that you serve? You know, you're serious. You're changing the oil in it, the oil in the car. And the, there's some things that somebody in the congregation say, ew, ew, toxic. I don't care how much you may say that you washed it, honey. It can't be washed enough because you have desecrated it because we thought that PT had more intelligence to understand that what's in the kitchen is dedicated and consecrated to food, not to motor oil. <laughs> I see Helen. I, I, I wish I, I wish everyone could see Ellen's face like ew, 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 nasty. <laughs> you may think that you could take something of God, an ability. And use it over here. Gosh, I wish I had time. I wish I had time. Do you, will you give me five, seven more minutes, seven minutes. I have 1230. 1231. I ran across a pretty well-known musician in the Bay Area. And we had an opportunity to... I just came in and I had an opportunity to play and kind of, it was a wedding thing. And, and he said like, whoa, why don't you come on in and sit in with us sometime? I said, okay, where are you at? And so he gave me the, the, the name and address of the place and I said, okay. So I got all excited. Those of you that think that going secular is real cool, right? Now watch this. For him, it's secular. Does God have something against um, you know, the carpenters or my girl or whoever, you know, love songs. No, he don't have nothing against that. But in a person in my situation, I am set apart. I have an anointing. I have a calling that I have to protect. So I asked my wife, hey, honey, why don't you come and see me? I always want her to see me play. <laughs> No, no, honey, you go by yourself. I love, okay. So it can't be all bad. I went to Dublin, you know, to this place, and it turned out to be some kind of a 
supper club, night club. I'm like, ooh, that's different. So I'm kind of feeling my way. I, I don't do this sort of thing. Like, <laughs> Pastor Tom is going into a night club. Let's see. So I sat down and, and I'm, looking, I'm looking for somebody that, that looks familiar. Nobody looks familiar. <laughs> A little dark, smoky, you know. And there's a bar and people are guzzling it. And then there's, there's tables of single guys over here. And there's tables of single girls over there. And they're all Googling each other like, Well, okay, well, my friend, okay. And I'm, and I'm having this little conversation on the inside of me. I think this will help some of you. All right, all of you that are going to take the stage, just take a number right here. Take a number. So I went and I took a number. I was like, okay. All right, we're going to do some jazz tonight. We're going to really do something tonight. All right, we're going to have a little fun. We're really going to play some music tonight. Oh, we're going to bebop it and we're going to hop it. Hallelujah. We're going to do something tonight. And they kept having other groups come up and play. Another, okay, now we introduce so-and-so from so-and-where. Okay, so they're doing their thing. Stupid music. Just some real stupid. I'm, I'm sitting there. And I'm looking at people drinking and stuff. And something on the inside of me says, you don't belong here. Now, you could go up there and you could play and you could bop it and you could bebop it. And you could really, you know, do whatever. And everybody would say, oh, the dude can play some jazz. Wow. It says, but, you know, you could do that if you want. But you have an anointing to protect. And you know what? I sat there. I sat there and I thought, you know what? I think I'm going home. So I kind of slithered out, got my guitar. On the way home, I called my wife, Honey, I'm coming home. Oh, how was it? She says, Well, it wasn't. <laughs> Later I knew that for me, for my calling, in order for me to deliver to you what you need and to fulfill the call on my life, I can't just go out and jam with just anybody. I can't go to any supper club with smoke-filled rooms. I can't put myself in a position where everybody's flirting with everybody. That's not the right fit. Is that right? Now, I'm not saying that for somebody else it's okay. For me, that would mean that I would be a profane person. For me, I would be profane. For them, it's secular, but not me. Are you kidding me? I'm blood-bought. I've been anointed and called by God. I've got an anointing to protect. I've got a pastor and a church to be accountable to. I'm not going to be like Esau and do something I love to do at any cost just a thought. I'm just trying to tell you that I'm practicing what I'm preaching. Amen. So I'm going to do a couple of things. That cost me just a few few minutes. I hope you enjoyed that story. And I got home and hallelujah, I'm still trying to play for my wife. Hey honey, check this out. Can you close the door? <laughs> we have this little thing at home. I say, honey, push the button, you know. Gee, honey, that sounds great. Gee, honey, that sounds great. One more time. Gee, honey, that sounds great. She got so sick and tired of hearing me go. That's what she got. Okay. So we finally work something out and keep our marriage sane and whole. I push when I when I need a little lift, I go push that button. Hallelujah. 
I want you to catch this idea. Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29. It's all right to have fun in church because even laughter is holy. 35 through 37 in the message. I want you to catch this picture. Do everything for the ordination of Aaron and his sons exactly as I have commanded you throughout the seven days. Offer a bull as an absolution offering for the atonement each day offered on the altar when you make the atonement for it anoint and consecrate it he's anointing and consecrating the altar you get it this is Old Testament we don't do this today but get the picture anyway it's kind of a type and shadow make atonement for the altar and consecrate it for seven days the altar will become soaked in holiness I like that saying soaked Soaked in holiness. And anyone who so much as touches the altar will become holy. I like that. Soaked in holiness. Wow. Look at Exodus 30. Same version of Scripture, Message Bible. In verse 25 through 29. Now he's talking about oil. And God spoke to Moses, Take the best spices, twelve and a half pounds, and all these things, myrrh, and this and that, and cinnamon, and quarter pounds, fragrance, cinnamon, fragrance, this and that, twelve pounds of this and that and the other, whatever. I'm not into cooking the oil at the moment. Let's skip down to verse 26. Use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the chest of the testimony, the table, and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of whole burnt offerings and all its utensils, and the wash basin and its base. Listen to this. Consecrate them so that they'll be, say it, soaked in what? I, I'm sorry, I don't hear you. you. If you want to go home and beat the Baptist to the, you help me out. With it. Consecrate them so that they'll be soaked in holiness. So that anyone who so much as touches them will become holy. I like that. I like that. I like that. I live for this. Can you see the picture, friends? The oil of the Holy Ghost. You have, you have a say in how much anointing you carry. The covenant that you have. He says, if you want to be a vessel of honor. Come on, help me, church. Help me preach just for 30 seconds or a minute. He says, let a man separate himself from these things. Then he will be a vessel of honor, meet and ready for the master's use. Listen, you could be clay if you want to. Well, I'm in the house. I'm okay being clay. All right, fine. Okay, I'm in the house. I'm okay. I'm wood. That's fine. Let's get out of there. I'm okay. I'm in the house. I'm silver. That's fine. I'm going for the gold. Who's going for the gold? Go for the gold, heart of the bay. Go for the purest. The strongest anointing that you have, that God has given you, protect it, cultivate it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Soaked in holiness, soaked in His presence. In closing, I had this in my heart. Some of you may be sitting out there saying, I had a calling. I felt I had a calling. I had like fervor for God, but I failed. I failed my calling. I, I, I did something. I blew it. I, I let God down. I let myself down. I let my family down. I let my wife down. I let, let my kids down. I let my church down. Friends, I don't think that anyone let anyone down as much 
as Peter felt when he denied Jesus. You see, three times Peter denied Jesus in Matthew 26. You see the account in verse 69 is where it starts. They said, I know you. You're that guy that was with them. I don't know what you're saying. Verse 72, after somebody else says, hey, this guy was with Jesus. Again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. And verse 74 Surely you're one of them. He says, he began to curse and swear. I don't know the man. I mean, the most base, you may think like, Pastor Tom, I have done the most crude thing. I have really taken the vessel, the anointing that God gave me, and I squandered it, I threw it away. Any worse than Peter, friend? Look what happened in John 21. Listen, let the Spirit of God speak to you. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples in John chapter 21, verse, I don't know if it's 2 or 1, verse 1. Jesus appeared again to the disciples, I am almost done, beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now catch this. Before he knew Jesus, he was in a secular vocation. Fair? Fair to say that? But when he got into the ministry, something was given him. When Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, upon this rock of revelation knowledge, I'm going to build my church. Peter was right there. He was watching the master. There were deposits. And he followed him. But then, so now he's got, can you say he's got an anointing? He's got something. He's got impartations. It's not the full thing yet because the, 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 the day of Pentecost hadn't fully come. But he's got, how many agree that he's got something? In this particular instance, he went from a secular fisherman to a holy man of God, Jesus would speak to them the words and say, now you are sanctified or basically holy, separated for me by the words that I have spoken to you. Now when he said, listen, let's go back. Let's go fishing again. Let's go back to the business. He was no longer going as a businessman, fisherman. He was going back as a backslidden man of God who has a call on his life to do something for God and fishing for something different. Are you listening to me? So God, listen, listen, God's going to touch you with this. We started this message off with Peter says, we worked all night and didn't catch nothing. And then Jesus said, go out, okay, at thy word. And then all of a sudden, the boats were filled, and they recognized there's something holy going on here. And he says, I can't stand this holiness. You need, you, you need to go. Just, just go. I can't handle this holiness. But notice, we almost had a repeat performance. So Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. So now Peter is positioning himself to be a profane person. Are you listening? Not that he swore when he denied Jesus. No, he's taking the anointing that God gave him and he's, he's treating it, setting it aside. Yes. So here we go. So, and then 
So he influences the others. Well, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat. So they all are profane people. But they caught what? Look, it's, many of you have a calling of God on your life. And you set that on the side for whatever reason. I understand life, how life is sometimes. I get it. But the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. There's no revocation. His hand is on you and you know it. You are called to do something in the kingdom of God and you know it. So they all went and they were struggling fishing and what did they catch? Say it again. What did they catch? A bunch of profane fishermen, not because they swore, but because they dealt treacherously with the call on their life, going backwards. That's not... We're not in, in the camp of decrease, going decreasing further and further alone. We're in the land of increase. We go up. Right? I said right? So notice what happened. He called... So, so at dawn, Jesus standing on the beach... But the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, Fellows! Yo! Dudes! Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul the net because there were so many fish in it. So here we have a repeat performance. Then... The disciple Jesus loved, being John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on a tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, headed to the shore, and the others stayed with a boat, pulled the load ashore, for they're only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, just cooking over the charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon went aboard, dragged the net ashore, 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now listen to this. Now come and have some breakfast. Let's, let's skip to this a little bit to verse 14. Jesus served the bread and fish. Verse 14, This was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples since He had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than hunting? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than football? Do you love me more than the guitar? Do you love me more than rock and roll? Do you love me more than eating? Fill in the blank. Golfing. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then he said, take care of my sheep. Notice that he pointed him right to his calling. Is that right? A third time he asked, oh, forgive me. The first time he said, feed my lambs. Second time, feed my sheep. Third time, he asked them, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Can I tell you something? Don't get your feelings hurt today. If God's putting his finger on you and say, pick up your calling. Dear God, it's a gift from God to use to build the kingdom of God. Pick it up. Stop stewing where you are. Get up. 
Jesus was hurt at Jesus because he asked the question a third time. Lord, do you, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then he said, feed my sheep. In other words, get back on the stick. Do what I've anointed you to do. The anointing is still there. And I say to you, church, your anointing is still there. Pick up where you left off. Start stirring up the gift. Don't neglect the gift of God which is within you. If you neglect it, you'll be like Esau. Not only that, if you neglect it, life will be harder, not easier. Oh, I don't know if I could do this. It's so hard to cultivate the holiness of God. You have no idea what hard is. Operating in the curse, working, working your fingers to the bone, trying to stave off the curse of the law. When all the while, he's giving you a holy covenant and a holy congregation and a holy nation, a holy covenant, a holy calling, holy people to speak into your life, to help you to operate in the holy anointing that's in your life. Hallelujah. So let's see how I close this out. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the fear of reverence for God. Wow. Are we okay?